Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. I'm Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, everybody? Less than 24 hours later, and you got us back again. The Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast reaction pod is live. I'm Matt Perino, joined as always by Ryan Talbot. The Buffalo Bills announced a one-year deal that they've agreed upon with free agent running back Matt Breida, who played with the Miami Dolphins last year. Uh, We talked a lot about him last offseason when he was a restricted free agent. Uh, back then with the San Francisco 49ers, where he did most of his impressive work. Uh, let's get right to it, Ryan. I don't want to waste any time. Initial impression, reaction to this move. Yeah, I like it from the speed perspective. That's the one area where the Bills were kind of lacking last year. They didn't have that speed. So uh, you throw him into a room with Zach Moss, with Devin Singletary. Obviously, you have Antonio Williams, who's going to get a shot, Christian Wade. Uh, I'm not ready to sit here and say that he's a lot for this roster, but he brings something that the roster or to the roster that they were severely lacking one season ago. Okay, so let's start with where Matt Breida notches in here on this depth chart because I think that that's first and foremost. I think that you know this is a move that indicates to me that everything that Brandon Bean has said over the last couple of months is right on the money and true. He's not trying to hide anything. There is significant belief in Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. They liked what they saw out of them last year. I know a lot of Bills fans were a little bit underwhelmed, but this is a move that you bring in a guy that, you know, I think is, is this an underrated kind of signing? Because I think that there's still big time potential for a Matt Breida type to fit into some type of combo backfield situation. And we'll get into his last season in Miami and maybe what went wrong there. But I don't think that this really changes the dynamics of things at all. I think he probably slots in at three on the depth chart right now with a chance to compete with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary uh, coming up here in camp. And that might, what they might figure out, Ryan, once they get to the preseason and hopefully we have three games that you're able to kind of see what this all looks like. Maybe they figure out that depending on the matchup, this is a situation where they can go one week with Singletary and Breida, one week with Moss and Breida, one week with Singletary and Moss. They can kind of 
mix things up, if you will, depending on the matchups. We saw them do this a little bit with receiver last year, but all this says to me is it's probably a really affordable deal, a guy coming off of a disappointing year, and it gives you more options and more competition, which, listen, it's a broken record. That's what Brandon Bean and his front office want to do. Yeah, and, and we've talked about the fact that after the Bills lost to the Chiefs last year, that they needed more playmakers on offense. And with that breakaway speed, Brita is another playmaker option. Uh, he went over 22 miles an hour on a run in 2018. He was recorded with a 438 40-yard dash time when he came out. So he has a lot of that speed, that that you know breakaway, one cut, make a guy miss, and then he can be off to the races. That's the one thing that Devin Singletary is lacking. He can make you miss, but he's missing that gear. Uh, Zach Moss, he's more of a run-you-over type. He, he doesn't have that gear. So if he can acclimate himself to this offense and find a role here, you're right. You can find a, a spot for him. You can give him a role and a week-by-week basis where, okay, you know, we're going against a team where we think his skill set might be valuable. Uh, if you look at the 49er years, because last year was a, a bit of an odd year with the Dolphins, he was a contributor in the receiving game, 20-plus receptions. He was someone that was averaging over five yards per carry in his last two seasons with the 49ers. So limited reps, limited opportunities, but I would like to see what he can do here this offseason with the Bills. Yeah, and I think that the opportunity is key. Dealt with some injuries last year. It's been something that I think he's he's dealt with. Uh, throughout his career, the he's kind of a smaller frame, went undrafted, 5'10", 190. He's got a little bit of power to his game in terms of, you know, he's not he's not necessarily small. He's he's short, uh, but he, he's got some thickness to him. He's able to run a little bit. Uh, but last year, I think it was a situation where nobody was really taking the reins in, the, in that backfield. I mean, they went in, they went out and spent some money on Jordan Howard. Uh, they had a, a couple different guys in the mix there. By the time things got really rolling, I mean, it would have been uh, – uh, what was the one guy? Uh, Solomon? Uh, Salah? Was that – Yeah. What was no, that? I, what I know was who you're name? talking about. Um, oh, I, it's it's going to drive I mean, Miles Gaskin was the guy, but then they also had the undraft. Ahmad. 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 There you Z- go. Selvin Ahmad, I believe. Yes. And, you know, I, I'm pr- I, I was blank on the name because I didn't even really consider anybody when you're talking about fantasy football in that backfield because it was so scattered last season and they didn't really ever have somebody that they can rely upon. I know they like Gaskins for a little little while, um, but he's a guy that I just think that he found a, he landed in a spot where it wasn't necessarily a good fit. There's potential if he can stay healthy and get on the field. He can maybe make an impact in this Bills team, but at the same time, this also could just be this year's version of TJ Yeldon, uh, a veteran that you know has shown some things in the past, can come in here, can compete, add that dynamic. Um, but this is a really nice, shrewd signing and a back that, you know, another back that he was with over in San Francisco for a year or two, Tevin Coleman just signed with the Jets. And I don't know the terms on that deal. I don't know if you saw that, uh, if that's come out yet. But I would I would venture to guess that this is a much more affordable deal than that one, or at least a little bit. I would I would imagine it comes in under that. And to me, there's way more upside at this stage with a Matt Breida, especially with what the Bills want to do, than with a guy like Tevin Coleman or some of the other backs that you're going to see start to sign over the next couple of days. Yeah, Coleman's deal is up to two million dollars, so I wouldn't be shocked if it's close to that. I I, I could see the Bills though one point five, a little over one, uh, just because he's coming off of a down year, and maybe this is a chance for him to reestablish his value. But 
you said it really well in terms of Miami and what happened there last year. Uh, I did have Miles Gaskin on a few fantasy football teams, and, and on a week by week basis, he fared pretty well. But they didn't. They never figured out who the guy was. They're always kind of looking. Uh, when Gaskin was out, they gave a shot to Selvin Ahmad. He had a good game here and there. Jordan Howard can never hit the ground running with them. Um, you, you already kind of mentioned Breida had a down year with them, and he never kind of got things figured out. So it felt like the Dolphins were kind of throwing money at the position between Breida and Howard, and neither of those guys ever paid out or panned out. So it kind of then went to the, okay, let's give our young guys a chance. And I still think they're looking. I still think they're trying to figure it out. I want to be shocked if they address that in the draft too. So, you know, you don't want to write a player off after one one down year, one bad year, maybe mismanaged year, because we've seen that before. Uh, different positions, obviously, but even just Daryl Williams and what happened in Carolina in his last year before he joined the Bills. A lot of people are writing off that signing as he might not even make the roster, and then you see what can, he can do. He's going to get some opportunities here in Buffalo to show that he belongs in that top three, maybe to show that he can push for uh, the top or the, the number two spot with this team as a change of pace back. So let's move our attention to the draft because I think that that's also a big question that kind of starts to percolate off of a move like this. And what does this mean for the Bills approach, especially for fans hoping that, you know, one of these top backs who probably could be there. I mean, Najee Harris is a guy that, you know, the fanfare around this guy all of a sudden, it's really mm-hmm. booming. And, you know, you start to put the pieces together there and the connections of, you know, Brian Dable when he was at Alabama, uh, the the multi-dimensional aspects to his game. I mean, he's a guy that is is the most polished all-around back probably in the field from a pass rushing or um, running the football, catching the football, uh, run blocking or uh, blocking for the in pass protection. So there, there's him. And I know that there's a kind of a chunk of fans that want him. I think that a Travis Etienne, it really becomes interesting now if they'd even consider him, even depending on where they have him on the board, do you bring in a Travis Etienne at this stage after bringing in a Matt Breida? What do you think that this move does to that potential if they maybe have one of these guys, Javante Williams from uh, North Carolina in the mix there as well? If they get to 30 and one of those guys is on the board and they have them ranked high enough, do you still pull the trigger? I think you have to. You know, Brandon Bean recently appeared on a podcast, and I'm blinking on which one it was, and he actually said he said it about linebacker. He said, you know, if there was a top linebacker on the board at 30, we wouldn't hesitate to pull the trigger even after re-signing Matt Milano because injuries happen. You got to go by your board. So if at the end of the day, a running back is your top player on the board and far and away you're the best player, yeah, why not? Because, you know, Breed has had success in terms of yards per carry, but he's never been the guy. Uh, you might not feel like you have the guy on your roster. And if Etienne or Najee Harris or Javante Williams, any of those players you f- you feel like could be a number one, three down back, someone that can do it all, absolutely. I- I'm not willing to sit here and say that it completely eliminates running back from the position. Now, does it make cornerback or edge rusher look more likely? Yeah, I'd say that. But I don't think any position is off the board at number 30. Minus the obvious ones, obviously like punter, kicker, quarterback, because you're you're set at those areas and, and you don't reach for special teams positions that early. But I think that a lot of those skill positions are still on the board when the Bills are on the clock. He hasn't been used in this way, Ryan. Uh, only five kick returns back in 2017. But with that kind of 
game-changing speed, maybe he does get in the mix here with a competition. Maybe they're looking at it like that. Like, okay, he hasn't done it a ton, but you know, we want to maybe push Isaiah McKenzie. We don't have anybody on the roster right now looking at the landscape in terms of affordability and where you can get some speed. Maybe you throw him into the mix and, and, and let him compete and see if that's something where you can maybe add value to a signing like this. Yeah, and you know that's something that hurt TJ Yeldon for a while. He didn't have that special teams ability. It kind of made him an easy choice to make him inactive on a week by week basis. Uh, even you know, even in those weeks, maybe where where you weren't sure about Taiwan Jones's status, it wasn't a sure thing that it would be Yeldon that'd be the guy that'd come up. Um, so if you can get him in here early and, and he can compete on special teams, whether it's as a returner in some other role, that just adds to his value. And we all know how much Brandon Bean and this coaching staff. The front office, they value versatility. If Breida can come in and show that he can be valuable to this team in a variety of ways, it's only going to help his standing and his opportunity in terms of making this 53-man roster. I like what um, Koala Bear Khan over on YouTube brings up here. Is this going to be the Bills' three-punch running back group like Green Bay? I think Green Bay is a great example. We're talking about the number one passing offense in the NFL last year, but I really like the way that they utilize their their backs. I mean, you had Aaron Jones, you had Jamal Williams. I'm blanking on who their other back was, but rookie, uh, the rookie, they, yeah. Um, uh, what was his name? Man, I, I'm blanking on names today, Ryan. Uh, he just had the really AJ Dillon, AJ yeah. Dillon, huge legs, the boulders. Yes, so I feel like that's another group that had. You didn't have necessarily in that group have the burner. I, I think Jamal Williams probably would be the closest to that. Uh, the other two, uh, uh, I think Aaron 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 Jones is kind of a complete back. But yeah, you want to have options. You want to be able to when you go to the run game, depending on the matchup. Some day, some games this season, and I think to the frustration of Packer fans that. You know, you, you saw the highs of an Aaron Jones, probably want him to get the ball more. But yeah, you have three guys, three capable guys. Having options is never a bad thing. And I think bringing a guy in like Brita, it does two things. Number one, it solidifies the position on your roster going into the draft. And I and I agree with you. I don't think this is take this takes running back off the board. And I almost think that if you really want to pound the position, you can almost entertain if you get to 30 or close to 30 and there's a bunch of guys still left. Like, you know, taking yourself into the mindset of a general manager, Brandon Bean, especially when he's talked about this in the past, you know, they start having those conversations. They get closer to the pick and maybe say they have three guys at a position pr- clumped together pretty high on their draft board. You start to consider the fact like, oh, okay, maybe moving back here makes sense because, you know, fans might have ATN here because they love the flavor, but maybe they have ATN. Uh, Najee Harris, Javante Williams, any type of different configuration really close together. If they can move back two or three spots, pick up another day two pick, that's huge. And, and that's not to mention maybe what the options are at edge rusher or cornerback or offensive line if one of these really good tackles happens to mm. fall. Um, there's so many different potential options. And I think a guy like Breida adding him to the mix really shores up the position in a lot of ways, gives you confidence that if you don't, land a running back on day one or even day two it's okay because you you still got a lot to look forward to with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary to maybe see what happens in year two and three for them yeah you don't need to grab a running back but if the one falls to you absolutely take it uh you know look at the TJ Yeldon example from a few years ago he was signed I want to say it was days before the draft and the Bills already had LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore on their roster so when they signed TJ Yeldon a lot of people said well I don't think running back's going to happen this year. They have a solid one through three. 
And then what happens? They end up grabbing Devin Singletary. Uh, Frank Gore remains. LaShawn McCoy is gone. TJ Eldon is the third. I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to draft someone and, and that Singletary or Moss or Breed is going to be gone. But they're not going to wipe away that possibility. Everything is still fair game here at the running back position. If you get a home run hitter at 30 or you trade back and there's one of those backs that are there and and they're the best player, you absolutely do it. I know fans want an edge rusher. They want cornerback number two. But Brandon Bean is going to stay true to his board no matter what position that is. One of the cool things, too, and I think this is always something fun to kind of look around the division, and we'll start to really dive into the AFC East um, more so intermittently over the next couple of months. But look around the AFC East right now at, you know, we'll take this this running back group uh, position. At, look at the depth chart over in New York. I mean, LaMichael P. Ryan, Ty Johnson, and, and Tevin Coleman is what they're working with. Um, Frank Gore is obviously a free agent for them, and um, the whole Le'Veon Bell experience didn't really work last year. And then you move on to the Patriots. Um, Tony Michelle, obviously, will be back in the mix. And he's always somebody that he, he's very injury prone, but he's he's a good player and somebody that and I think they're really going to try to build that thing around the 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 running game and the running attack and the and the short passing game. You got Michelle. They brought they bring back James White. They still have Damian Harris and. I, I think the last report I heard was that Rex Burkhead was uh, potentially could be back as well. They might be working on something there. So we'll see. And then the, the Dolphins uh, bring up their depth chart here. Should have brought this all up before the point. Uh, well, they, they still have to have Gaskin and they still have Selvin Ahmad. Um, so you know that those two are on the roster right then they and si- there. They signed uh, Malcolm Brown from the, the mm-hmm. LA Rams. So that, you know, they, they've stocked up there as well. But if you put all three of those running back rooms next to each other. The fact that the potential of this passing game and maybe figuring something out or unlocking something in the running game, I really like that trio of running backs for the Bills. Yeah, it's a solid group. You know, uh, no one's going to say it's, it's a who's who in terms of like an elite backs, but you have a good combination. Uh, where, whereas you look at the Jets and that's a who's that running back room because, you know, right <laughs> now there's a lot of names where maybe you don't know who Ty Johnson is or Michael P. Ryan. Uh, and you're just not sure about it. So it, the Bills have a, a good blend of talent. You have Singletary who can make you miss. He's elusive despite lacking that gear. Zach Moss who, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that he was being touted the same way as a Najee Harris or any of these top backs, but th- there was a lot of people that were high in his draft stock last year, and I think a lot of people forget about that. They said that he could – he wasn't just a between-the-tackles guy. He could go around the edge. He, he wasn't just a power guy. He had a little bit uh, of speed to his game, not to the extent of a Matthew Breida, mind you, but he, he was more of an all-around back. And then, obviously, Breida gives you that guy with an extra gear. So you have that. You have the unknown and Christian Wade. Um, if the Effie Obata signing shows you, showed you anything, it's the, these guys that come through that international pathway program they get enough time to to develop themselves, to learn the positions they can develop. So he's in play. Antonio Williams showed what he can do in week 17 against a Dolphins team that was trying to make the playoffs. So I, I do like this running back room from top to bottom. There's there's some legitimate talent there. There's some intriguing possibilities. And, that, you know, there's a few uh, wild cards in terms of who could really make a name for themselves this offseason and maybe surprise us in terms of playing time. 
So I, I've seen uh, a couple questions here about how is Brandon Bean doing this from a cap perspective? Because all we've been hearing for the last couple of days is, you know, they, they've been teetering along uh, the 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 salary cap. Um, and how is he doing this? Because he, he has made a couple of deals over the last couple of days. Bring back Isaiah McKenzie, uh, Effie Adaba yesterday. And I, I'm looking over at Track right now. They have not updated Tyler Medikevich's uh, cap hit. They still have him at 3.7. That comes down about 800, 700, 800,000. So right now, as of today, the adjusted salary cap, and that's something that I think is important for fans to kind of have a baseline understanding of the salary cap in the NFL this year is 182.5 million. But because of 2020 rollover uh, money, the bills add 3.77 million with that. And then an adjustment of 2.10 million. So they actually add over 5 million almost 6 million in cap space. So their cap number for 2021 adjusted cap number is 188 million, 188.37 million. So with that, then you go to how much do their top 51 contracts right now, you add them all up and everything under 51 gets kind of canceled out. The only ones that count against that cap number are the top 51 contracts. And right now that number is sitting at 184.21 million. Now, that's without the Tyler Medikevich drop down, uh, about a million maybe. Let's just say that for argument's sake. And then you have three contracts that aren't on the books yet, but they're all going to probably be a, a, around that one to one and a half million in Breida, McKenzie, and Odaba. And oh, by the way, if you'd missed it, Tredavious White uh, did the Bills a solid and took, uh, they restructured his deal, gave him a huge signing bonus, uh, converted his base, most of his base salary this year. Uh, and spread that over the, the the next couple of years. So his cap hit went from the number one cap hit on the team at about 14 million plus to now it's sitting at, let me find it, 6.78 million. Mm. So the bills add a ton of money back there. So you're asking how they're able to still do moves. These are the kinds of moves they can do. They still don't have a ton of room, but there's still options available to Brandon Bean. Brian, uh, Ryan, they could literally go and, and talk to Stefan Diggs, restructure his deal, Deion Dawkins, do a similar thing what they did with Trey to add more money to try to continue to add to the roster. Yeah, an extension for Stefan Diggs makes sense where you can lower the cap hit in 2021. Uh, restructuring Deion Dawkins, like you mentioned, there's a lot of possibilities. And, it, and it, you know, I don't think Brandon Bean's going to go out of his way to do move X, Y, and Z if he doesn't have to. Uh, but but if opportunities arise and a player's there that he likes, then maybe he does want to free up some extra cap. You know, you just never know. I mean, Steven Nelson was released this past week by the Steelers. He was another cornerback added onto the market, talented player. Uh, there's going to be some players post-draft that get cut, veterans generally, but some guys that maybe the Bills have had their eye on for a few years. So having some extra money in addition to having money for your uh, your rookie draft class, things like that, it's not a bad idea. He's probably going to play it as it goes because, you know, I, I'm sure that w when he offered Breida's agent th this this contract, it was a, hey, you know, here's where we're at. Here's what we're comfortable. If you do it, I, I have the money now. I can move it around. And if there's another player at a position of need that becomes available and he is interested, he can do this again with a, a variety of different moves. Matt, I don't know if you're checking out this comment section, but we have like Giants fans in here. We have someone saying, are you guys going to throw the ball every play so that – Makes me think that they're not a Bills fan. We're getting some some outside fan bases in here, and we're happy to have you. So uh, exciting to see. 
that's funny that you mentioned that because I just saw uh, Matt Breida's first tweet after the news was announced, and of course it was an LFG Bills Mafia, and it's 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 a rite of passage at this point. If you sign with the Bills, if you're drafted by the Bills, you got to throw out a tweet with that Bills Mafia hashtag. He didn't hashtag it. Rookie mistake, whatever. That's fine, right. but it's kind of become like the norm. Like that when you sign with the Bills, just as famous as any of the Bills players at this point outside of maybe Josh Allen is the mafia. I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's a brand in and of itself. So um, I, I think that that's cool. Every time I see that with a new player, uh, that's pretty interesting. Looking through the comments here, if you have any questions, please drop them. If you are watching on YouTube, thank you. Hit that like button on this video, hit that subscribe button right below there. So you're subscribed to the NY up Buffalo bills channel. You'll get uh, alerts every time we go live. You can hear my dog barking up there. He's excited <laughs> about it. If he had a button to smash right now, he'd be he'd be pawing at it. Um, so that really helps us out. You can also find us on all the audio platforms, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Google, all of them. Uh, find us there uh, and subscribe as well. I had another thought, and, and we'll take some questions while we're, while we're live here. We had a big show last night, but this changes things a little bit. And and so when you're, when you're looking at the next, you know, I saw a question in here about maybe what's next. We could talk about that as well. If there's another um, bills free agent move coming, I would anticipate there'd be one or two more at, at this stage, but I want to talk about what I think that this move could potentially be. And, you know, I, I think you always got to guard yourself about overreacting or placing too much emphasis on a single move, especially a move like this where there's a lot of unknowns. Like I'm not sitting here ready to place Matt Breida at two or one on the depth chart or saying he's taking somebody's job in no way, shape, or form. But in a lot of ways, this to me feels like another Daryl Williams move, right? One at the time where you know, a lot of the experts, myself included, yourself included, will probably won't overreact too much, probably won't overextend to predict big time production or a prominent role on the team, but there's a path to it. And I think that's sometimes the, the, the most important thing is, can you see a path to production, to a role? And I, I definitely see that here. I think that he's got the kind of skill set that could, could complement either of these guys. Zach Moss goes down early in the season. Matt Breida gets the chance. He starts complimenting Devin Singletary, maybe even takes over that 1A role if he's if he's running it pretty well. There's a path to success here, and you could be looking at this at the end of next season. Uh, after a one-year deal, Matt Breida having a big year, maybe you turn this into a comp pick. Maybe he leaves and signs for 5 or $6 million somewhere else or whatever the case may be, or he loves it in Buffalo pulls an Isaiah McKenzie, gives them a, a, a hometown discount. There's so many options here, but this has that kind of feeling, a guy with super potential that I think that, you know, without knowing it for a fact, actually having heard it from somebody within the bills, I I have a, a feeling that they would have kicked the tires on him even last year as he was talking to Miami, because I think his skill set and where he falls in terms of affordability just make too much sense. Yeah, there's definitely a clear path for him to make this roster. There's opportunities to be had, and that's probably big after uh, a year where maybe he thought he was going to have opportunities with the Dolphins, and, and that never came to fruition. So he has an opportunity to re, you know, rebuild that value on a one-year deal, possibly cash in at the end of the year with another team, or like you said, uh, if he likes Buffalo, if he, you know, some players value winning, uh, maybe he does stick around for longer than a year. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there, but. 
this is what the Bills do. They make these signings that at the time you don't think too much about. You mentioned Daryl Williams. You could go back to John Feliciano a few years ago. Uh, I will say Raiders fans were saying this guy's a starter just waiting to happen. Uh, so they were at least thinking that. But they always go out and find these players that come in and, and they get their opportunities, and, and some of them make the most of those opportunities. And I'm sure Breed is going to come in and give it his all to show that he belongs not only on that 53-man roster but deserves to have some kind of role on this team on a week-by-week basis. You mentioned Raiders fans. Is that Was that a comment in there from a Raiders fan in one of the shows or one of the platforms? Uh, way back when, when they signed Feliciano, yeah, they, they were they were big on him um, after the Bills signed him. But yeah, that was a while ago. But yeah, they, they thought that he was going to be a starter in Buffalo, and sure enough, they were correct on that. It's funny because I'm I'm thinking about um, the Raiders and what they just did, having an established running back like an RB one, right? Like I think you could probably say that the Bills don't have an RB one right now. They have a duo they have a tandem they have they have like a 1a 1b type of scenario you're probably not going to over like you're probably not going to go out on a limb and argue either one of them is the solidified starter on this team josh jacobs is that for the raiders they go out in the hand 11 million dollars i can't remember the exact um guarantee if that was 11 or a little bit under that to Kenyon drake to be the backup and i just Hmm. that to me is another story in roster building and roster management why would you spend that much money on a backup ro- role when I think it would make so much more sense to give a, a modest deal to a guy like Matt Breida, who I think brings at least a similar skill set, but a guy that I just don't think that Kenyon Drake is going to have a big enough role to warrant that kind of money. I just think that John Gruden spends money crazy. Like, And like, another thing from, from Las Vegas – they go out this offseason, they spend they they sign Yannick and Ngakwe. Not a horrible deal. I mean, it was pretty affordable. But you know, everything that they've done since trading Khalil Mack, it's like you had one of the best pass rushers in the league on your team and you traded him. And I don't think that you've really, with what you've gotten back, made up for it. And and they're doing all these things that I just it, it's head scratching to me. Yeah, the Raiders offseason is like Mark Davis's haircut. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's just bad. It's, it's bad. It's bad, Ryan. You know, you, it just doesn't make sense. Some teams, just you, you look and you just kind of shake your head and you wonder what they're doing. Now, maybe they'll prove us wrong, but right now, yeah, they're having one of the more baffling offseasons. Um, looking through the comments here, seeing if anybody had uh, a question here. Uh, we'll be live for a little bit longer. I see a little bit, uh, you know, there's going to be a ton of edge rusher discussion the next couple of weeks, Ryan. And as we really start to dive into some of these players, I'll mention one and I'll, I'll actually give you a little bit of a, a teaser big draft show. If you come in here every week and you, and you drop draft questions on the YouTube page, you're going to want to make sure that you clear your schedule next Wednesday night. We're bringing on Chris Trapasso from CBS sports. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll have a mock next week, but he just had a seven round mock recently. Uh, we're just going to dive into this thing. And, you know, edge rush is going to be a big, big position that I, that I, that I, uh, that we cover on that. But, you know, Jalen Phillips out of Miami, this is a guy that there's a lot to like about him. And he's a guy that depending on the mock you look at, he's there in a lot of these at 30. And there's some, there's a couple players. There was the, the Penn state defensive end today ran an unbelievable 40 time probably skyrocketed his stock. There's so many players in this in this one bucket, this one position bucket, that 
this is the kind of move at running back, and I still think that they probably do another move, whether it be on the offensive line. I think I saw reported by Jeremy Follower, the follower out of from ESPN, they want to add a swing tackle, which would make a ton of sense. Jason Peters is somebody we mentioned a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago as somebody that I think could be interesting uh, and his and his career uh, coming back to Buffalo. That would be a fun story. Um, so I think that this this definitely positions you to okay let's evaluate this roster let's find the biggest need that we have and and we could we could talk about that i think it's probably going to be on the defensive side of the ball and i'd probably veer towards the front seven just because i know i just have seen too much over the last two years in the draft and their unwillingness to draft a cornerback high that maybe this is the year, but I think it ends up being on the defensive line somewhere. Somebody that can impact the quarterback, somebody that they can try to develop, and maybe somebody that comes a little bit pro-ready. No, I think that's a valid argument. The only thing I would say about cornerback being possibly in play this year as opposed to previous years is you finally have Trey White locked down to a long-term deal, making him one of the highest-paid cornerbacks in the league. Now is the time maybe to strike and, and try to find that cornerback number two that will be on a rookie contract concurrent with that long-term deal so that way you're paying Trey White big money then you're paying cornerback to that rookie contract and when Trey White's deals up maybe that rookie all of a sudden uh is playing like a cornerback one you then you can make that decision do we move on from Trey and pay this guy what do you do uh then you obviously have the insurance options and Levi Wallace you have Dane Jackson who they are definitely high on but remember Dane Jackson does not just have to play on the outside. He has the ability to play on the inside as well. That's something that when they drafted him, a lot of draft analysts said, they said he could be on the inside. He could give Taron Johnson a run for his money. Uh, So there's nothing wrong with necessarily uh, moving, you know, adding a cornerback early because it still could give Dane Jackson some opportunities on this roster as well. Mm -hmm. Some comment in here uh, talking about (laughs) Jason Peters age. Yeah, he's 39 years old. Uh, he's definitely not a spring chicken, uh, but I, you know, uh, if he can still play at a high level, if the physical, if the, if the physical works, I think uh, on a short, um, in a, in, in a bind throwing Jason Peters out there, I, I think, you know, is a pretty good option still. They like Ryan Bates too. I mean, he's, he's a guy that I think can be a swing tackle as well. Uh, I'm just wondering if they might want to, they might just want to add another guy like a Ty and who, who, who moved on to, to Dallas to, to play that role. But let's, let's do a little exercise here, Ryan, before we get out of here, you know, we start to look at the bills defensive line and the projected depth chart, if you will. I think that that's a fun exercise to see where we could find maybe the hole. And let's start at the edge rusher position. So on the, on the left side, right side, depending on how you have them line up, you're probably sitting here day one. Is it Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, or do you have Jerry Hughes and maybe AJ Epinesa moving into that top spot, at least right now with what you anticipate and Addison in more of a supporting role? That's that might be a tough pill to swallow considering he comes with, I think still the, you know, seventh highest cap hit on the team. Uh, I think it might be Epinesa in that top role. And here's my thinking of that. I know that you could still have uh, Mario Addison play on that side, start on that side. But a lot of his production before coming to the Bills was on the same side as Jerry Hughes. So maybe he's he's Jerry Hughes he, uh, backup, or maybe he kind of spells Jerry Hughes throughout the game. And then you have A.J. Epinesa starting on the other side with uh, whoever that may be as defensive end number four, whether it's F.A. Obata, whether it's Daryl Johnson, whether it's someone that they draft this year. Uh, opportun- you know, There's going to be opportunities to be had there. 
I'm not married to the idea that Mario Addison has to start this year, despite having a high salary, despite uh, the pay cut not being as significant as I think as some fans had hoped when they heard that he had taken a pay cut. Mm. Uh, I think the Bills are going to go out there and they're going to play their best 11 on both sides of the ball, even if that means having someone that's getting paid a good amount of money, like a, a Trent Murphy one year ago. Uh, who will be as a backup and in some weeks maybe even inactive. I'm not gonna I'm not going to be that bold to say that Mario Addison is gonna be inactive at some point this week or this year. Uh, but you know, nothing would shock me in terms of the Bills. The the Bills are very straightforward in terms of the best players will play, and that's something that I really like about this regime. Um I'm I'm probably more in the camp of Epinesa probably notching in as somebody they want to get more time more snaps too in 2021, which even if he doesn't start, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a situation where AJ Appanessa ends up out snapping Mario Addison. As a matter of fact, I think that that's my expectation. Another guy to watch, depending on who they add, um, they really like Brian Cox. There's a familiarity with him. Obviously, Effie uh, Adoba is going to be in the mix. I think he's a nice piece to, to kind of bank on maybe 45% of the snaps as well. Um, but I think you can, you, you can really cast a wide net. And I think what I like about at, at the position in the draft, because what I like about this draft is they've had four years now, Sean McDermott's had four years to really figure out, all right, what's going to work in my system in Buffalo with the pieces that we have here? What do I need? Who's the kind of what are the kind of traits that I need that I think is really going to splash, that's really going to make an impact? And you can find that guy in the draft and then maneuver around as you need to be. Now, what that position will end up being, I hope we get another pre, um, pre-draft pre uh, press conference with, with Brandon Bean or Sean McDermott. Maybe we can kind of dive into that position a little bit more. But I, I going back to your original point, I, let's move into the interior here as well, finish up the exercise. Um Defensive tackle. I think you roll the ball out at Star and at Oliver uh, starting there. And I, and then I think, you know, it's Vernon Butler probably behind Ed and Harrison behind Star. But I think it's a, it's a situation where Vernon's got that flexibility to move inside and outside. And I also think on pass rush downs, if Ed Oliver's not in the field, you can might be they might be willing to you know test a uh, uh, Doba there. Yeah, I think you just kind of nailed it there and. Uh, who knows, you know, it, it could be someone that surprises us this year, too, in terms of depth, like a Justin Zimmer, who made some splash plays for the team. I, I think the starters, though, are absolutely set with the two that you mentioned. Uh, you know, when we're done with this exercise, there is a really good question in the chat, though, that, I, that I'm that i going to pop up to. So if you're ready for it, here we go. Do it. Do it. Pop it up. Our oh, friend oh, Brian. Any thoughts on the Bills moving up into the top 20 to target a guy they love? I feel like this is a win-now roster, and if they love a guy, do you think it's possible? Go get Kyle Pitts. <laughs> you can't get up that high, I don't think so. And also, we had this conversation on Twitter this this morning. Uh, Shout-out to Anthony Marino, who, who posed it, and I thought there was some good uh, discourse on the topic. Um, you just got to be really sold on who you're moving up for. Um if you're not and you give up assets and they come in here and it's it's a similar situation with some of the other players that we talked about the last two years, uh, I don't think you want to be in that position. I think that you want to be – I also don't think that you, you need all seven of the draft picks that you have in this draft. I don't know if you're going to be able to roster all seven of those players. So I think that you find – you know, going back to year one with Tr- Tredavious White – 
maybe this is the year that they've been waiting to target that cornerback for to your earlier point. Maybe it is something where they say, okay, we got a pool of five, six corners that we think are all, we have a first round grade on all these guys. I mean, Patrick Sertan is, is kind of that guy that I'm hearing can do a little bit of everything. JC Horn, maybe not a super great fit because he's more of a press man type of guy. Um, and, and, you know, Caleb Farley, he's probably going to drop now because of the um, uh, injury concerns. And there's just a bunch of players there that I think that if Sean McDermott finds one, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, I wasn't covering the team back then. I wasn't paying as close of attention. What was the vibe around that Tredavious White pick? Because he wasn't even considered, he wasn't, was he one, two? That was the Lattimore draft, I believe who was mm-hmm. getting most of the buzz. What was that? How was Tredavious White um, evaluated during that process? You know, actually, the, the fans seemed to actually get behind that when it happened. They needed a cornerback. It was it was a clear need. It was someone where, I don't know if he was on Buffalo's radar in terms of the fan base's radar, but late in round one, you're, you're getting someone who's getting a lot of praise by the national media, someone that they said, oh, clear first round pick, a good value pick for the Bills. And I think fans get behind that because once they traded down it and a significant trade down at that, and you could still land someone who's getting a lot of praise, I think the, the fans were okay with that. So they, they were definitely behind it. But, you know, to answer Brian's question, yeah, I, I could see them doing that. This is not 2017, 2018, where you sat here and you said, okay, you know, there's, there's a clear chance for that seventh round pick to make this roster or which undrafted free agent's going to make this team because in some years it's, it's been happening, up, even up until last year. Uh, right now, there's limited roster spots on this team. So, yes, if a Greg Rousseau is there, if a uh, Caleb Farley, who if the Bills do the medical checks on him and they feel good about him, they say this guy was going to be the cornerback number one uh, a month ago, two months ago, and we can get him at 20, 22, 24. Yeah, let's go up and get him because then that, that fills a huge need for us. Yeah, you, you can trade your number 30 and another pick to move up those few spots feel good about the player you're getting and then address one of your major needs. So I I absolutely think it's in play this year. So thanks for asking, Brian. Yeah. And just to add on to that, uh, you know, moving up, I just think that you, you, this window, we keep talking about this window. I think this window is wide open, Ryan, like the, the Kansas city chiefs. I mean, if they, they they might be able to add a, a a really good play. Maybe they are in play for moving up in the draft and trying to target uh, an offensive lineman, get one of these tackles if they fall. Um, But I think for the bills, they're, they're right there. If not, I, I just think this is a stronger roster as it stands right now. I mean, if you're talking about who they don't have at this point, that's moved on. I think Andre Roberts has the potential to hurt a little bit. Like, you know, if, if they don't have a clear cut replacement for him, I think it could be an issue. I mean, you want you want reliability in the return game. You want that if you're an offense that's explosive and you you kind of I can't have to imagine as as teams were game planning, defensive coordinators were game planning and looking at the stats. What's up, buddy? You just checking in? Going for a long time. Yeah, we got baseball tonight. He's like, hey, what time is it? When are we going? I thought we were um, getting the conclusion to Spider-Man. I've been waiting for that for the last like three episodes. Oh yeah. <laughs> what come here a second. We left a lot of people hanging with uh, Spider-Man. What did you learn from that Spider-Man um, show that you watched? What? That Spider-Man show that you watched. What did you learn from it? Do you remember? Which one? Oh, which, which one? one? <laughs> yeah, you probably watched a lot since then. The one where you learn um, you learn lessons every time. I know I know it's that one, but which, like, which episode? What was your favorite? Um, 
Probably the one that I've already done for like a year. Which one's that? Not being afraid. Not being afraid of what? Anything. Anything? Just you just act like you're strong and you and you and you're brave and there you go. All right, buddy. Well, and I think that oh, works. we got a question. We got a question. We got a question. Go ahead. Go ahead. For me? Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say this was a great point because Brandon Bean should not be afraid in the 2021 NFL draft. <laughs> he should go and get his guy, whether that's sticking at number 30 or moving up. So, Lucas, great, great point on Spider Man. There you go, buddy. I'll be up in a few minutes. Okay, man? Okay. Love you. Um, yeah, that's a great uh, a great cameo. I, I got a lot of people uh, that were disappointed about the Spider Man story getting cut off last time, so I apologize. Um, I, I think we're good there, Ryan. I mean, we're, we're at about 40 minutes. He's kind of glaring at me. He wants me to get going here. Uh, we want to give you guys some just instant reaction to this. Huge move. Uh, adding uh, Matt Breida to the mix, a guy we talked a ton about last offseason. And, and now the Bills have uh, added depth in that room. I mean, Antonio Williams is a guy that, you know, Ryan's been a big fan of, was, was very early on that train. And then, of course, Christian Wade Omania. That's getting ready to come to a theater near you this summer. It's going to be crazy. The UK is literally, it's funny because if you look at the UK uh, flag, uh, shout out to uh, UK Bills backers um, or UK Bills on Twitter. They got a great podcast over there, the Red, White, and what, what is that one that the name oh, of their podcast? I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Just um, put in UK Bills on Twitter. Yeah. You'll find their account, get the details. We've been on their show a couple times. They're just living it up right now. They got Christian Wade, Effie Obada. Uh, how do you pronounce his name, Ryan? I think I can't. Obada. Obada. Okay. So Obada. So kind of like Qdoba. I keep wanting to say Qdoba, but it's o Obada. Okay. Obada. Yeah, like Obama, but with a D. Gotcha. Buffalo <laughs> Bills UK. Elliot um, chiming in here. Thanks so much for watching, guys. If you can, before you get out of here, like this video. It helps us out. We're trying to get it out to the masses bringing you Ryan and Matt uh, on the Shout Podcast. Hit that subscribe button as well. Find us on Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your audio podcast. If you catch just a bit of the live show, go back and watch the audio version. Uh, any final thought, Ryan, before we get out of here? Final thought, you know, the Bills are kind of just filling in these little pieces here and there, but don't don't sleep on running back at number 30. I, I'm not ready to say that that's out of the picture just yet. What are you trying to get Marcel to invite you to go out to Pacquiao Los Miles? <laughs> Listen to this guy. He is just he he sees Marcel not ready to give up on it either. We should have him on soon to have some reaction to that. He's probably uh he's probably gonna have a corona tonight to uh drown his sorrows. He's very much on the Travis Etienne train. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. We will be back next week or maybe any minute, any hour. If Brandon Bean wants to work some magic, we will be back and we will get after it as always. For Ryan, I'm Matt. Have a great night, everybody. <laughs>